you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. So we are spending time this season considering the typical communication struggles we have as human beings. Every one of us needs to grow in our communication with one another. The word communication itself is a very interesting word. Mind you, I find all words to be sort of fascinating. But the word communication actually communicates something very important to us. Its root is the word common, which should make sense to us. Communication is all about sharing something in common, of connecting us together. Unfortunately, we can sinfully think of communication as just all about me. I have something to say, so I'm going to say it. I want to be heard. I want you to listen to me. Even I want you to talk to me. Instead, communication is always about we. It's about us. By its very definition, communication is a community thing. When we are not communicating, we are not in common. We are not in community. So that's why we learn how to speak the same language. It's hard to be in common with another when you don't have common language. Christians are to speak differently because we are in a different community. We hold certain things in common that are not of this world. To not communicate well puts you outside of the community, feeling isolated with no commonality. One of our highest callings as Christians is to communicate the gospel, to share Jesus with others, so by the power of the Spirit, more and more people can enter the community of God. Am I making my point about the vital nature of communication? It is all about community, so that's something we should not ignore or be lazy about. We should never just say, that's just the way I communicate. No, we must always be learning how to best communicate with other people, with all people that God puts in our lives. So never be satisfied with how you talk and listen to others and with others. Ask the Lord to continue to grow you in His grace. Only God is perfect in communication. We are sinners who struggle to be in common with others. We seem to end up being different and even divisive. So today, we'll dig down deep to another piece of communication, a need that we all have. We all need to be encouraged. So let's be encouraged by God's Word on the subject of encouragement. Well, let's continue to focus on applying what God's Word says about communication. As the perfect communicator, our Lord has designed for our conversations to glorify Him and to build others up. Unfortunately, our sins and weaknesses distort our communication and jam the circuits. Thus, we'll always need to return to the Word of God so we can grow in wisdom and understanding. We'll begin in Deuteronomy 1, verse 38, that reads, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. 
encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Now, to give us context, God has just told Moses that he would not be allowed to lead the Israelites into the promised land because of his sin. Joshua would become the new leader and enter the promised land as that leader. So God tells Moses to encourage Joshua. Think for a moment about the wonderful word encourage. It literally means to give courage. Well, the longer definition is the act of giving moral or mental strength to another, the giving of hope, the stimulation to activity or growth. We all know what it means to be encouraged, right? Well, Joshua certainly needed encouragement, didn't he? He was following the great prophet and deliverer, Moses. Moses, whom God called and equipped to do the unimaginable, to free his people from slavery. Joshua not only had to follow Moses, but he had a huge task before him, bringing the people into the promised land and leading them in warfare over and over and over again until the land was conquered. No small feat. So Joshua needed moral and mental courage. He needed hope. Moses was the perfect one to encourage him. But Moses could have chosen not to encourage Joshua. He may have become angry that he was going to be left out of the promised land. I'm not going to encourage and help Joshua. Let him figure it out on his own. In other words, Moses' own discouragement could have given him no desire or ability to give encouragement to Joshua. That can also keep us from encouraging others as well. And many other sinful heart issues, such as jealousy, covetousness, bitterness, etc. Well, now let me read another Old Testament narrative, 2 Samuel 19, 1-8. I warn you, this may seem like it doesn't fit our topic today. But it does. Reading from verse 1. It was told Joab, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard that day, The king is grieving for his son. And the people stole into the city that day as people steal in who are ashamed when they flee in battle. The king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, You have today covered with shame the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines, because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you. For you have made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night, and this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Then the king arose and took his seat in the gate. And the people were all told, Behold, the king is sitting in the gate. And all the people came before the king. Now Israel had fled every man to his own home. Well, hopefully you've picked up on what this story has to do with our topic. King David was grieving for his son Absalom. This was very understandable, even though Absalom tried to take his throne from him. 
So while the king was grieving, the Israelites wanted to rejoice. This was a great victory for God's people. Absalom was dead, which meant King David was king again. But the people were not encouraged to celebrate because the king was so sad and depressed. Joab, his commander of the armies, picked up on this. David's posture and body language and disposition was a discouragement to his people. So Joab says, speak kindly to your servants. This was just a way of saying, encourage your people. Show them you love them as much as you loved Absalom. Thankfully, the king took Joab's counsel and the people responded well. When they stopped being discouraged, they came before the king rather than avoiding him. There's some great application here for us. When we get self-focused, when we turn inward, thinking only of ourselves and our own problems, our own difficulties, we are totally unable to encourage other people. To put this principle in the positive, we can only encourage others when we get our eyes off ourselves. David had to focus on the needs of his people rather than his own pain. This is certainly hard to do when we are really suffering. So if you're married, think about how hard it is to encourage other individuals in their marriages if your marriage is struggling. Or if you are finding parenting a particular child is really difficult, you feel ill-equipped to speak encouraging words to others. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to be at a place of perfect peace and joy in order to encourage other people. No, you may have to be like David and force yourself to focus on others. But the fact remains that encouragement often comes from a place where we ourselves feel encouraged. Thankfully, as Christians, we can encourage others because of the encouragement that comes from Christ. Well, now let's go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. It reads, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Well, here we have the record of Paul and Barnabas, fellow missionaries and church planters. They made a habit of going back to churches that they had planted, and they would meet with Christians there. This section gives us a summary of this practice. They strengthen their souls and encourage them to continue in the faith. So we see the vital connection between encouragement and strengthening the soul. Their souls were strengthened as they spoke encouraging words. Do you recognize your part in encouraging people in their faith? This is not just the job of a missionary or a pastor, but for all of us as Christians. We waste so many words when a few words of encouragement would go a long way. We need encouragement to live the Christian life. But I want to point out a couple other things while we have this passage before us. First, do you know what Barnabas' name means? It means son of consolation or son of comfort, but it can also mean encourager. We should all be Barnabases to one another where we connect with one another to bring encouragement in faith and life. 
The other thing is that encouraging words aren't always just light and fluffy words, sweet and nice words. In this verse, they were connected to saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. In other words, we encourage by talking about the hard things in the context of words and support. Do you think they wanted to hear those words that through many tribulations, they must enter the kingdom of God? No, but they were encouraged. They were to take strength in how God would carry them through. Now we'll go back a couple chapters to Acts 11, verses 22 to 24. And this reads, The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Now here we read about Barnabas again. He was sent to Antioch to witness firsthand what the Lord was doing among the people there. It made him so glad. But he was also there to exhort them to stay faithful to Christ. Exhortation can be thought of as simply a strong encouragement. Barnabas must have had the reputation of being an encourager, and he lived up to that name. These folks would have needed the courage to stay faithful to Jesus in a time and place of oppression and persecution. We always need to be people who are encouraging or exhorting others. Part of the reason people stay faithful is that they have people cheering them on, giving them words of courage to carry on. Here's one more passage in Acts, Acts chapter 15, verse 32. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. So once again, we have more leaders of the early church. As prophets, or we can call them preachers or pastors, they saw their vital task of encouragement. And again, encouragement is linked to strengthening. But don't miss the last point. They encouraged with many words. It can often take a lot of words to encourage people. Sometimes we need to hear the same encouraging words over and over again. Husbands, one of the best things we can do as spiritual heads of our homes is to encourage our wives in the faith with many words. When things are tough, husbands must not be the cynical and negative ones but the ones encouraging the family. But also wives, you need to be great encouragers to your husbands as well. You need to come alongside your husband to give him courage to lead. Then you as parents, you need to encourage your children with many words. You need to encourage them in the faith as well. You need to help them in their walk with the Lord. Well, let's move forward to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, which reads, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The Apostle Paul compares his relationship with the church at Thessalonica to being a father with his children. 
essential to this relationship was encouragement and exhortation. And notice how encouragement is linked once again to charging someone to walk as a Christian. We need to get so much better at encouraging one another in the Lord. What I want to focus on, though, is that Paul is encouraging the church as a father, as a father is supposed to encourage his children. What a vital role you have if you're a parent. You must be an encourager, not just a disciplinarian. You must be an encourager, not just a fun parent. You must give encouragement, not just the material things a child needs. Children need, today more than ever, the courage to obey, the courage to live in this world, the courage to follow Jesus. That encouragement comes from the adults, the parents, the grandparents who have gone before them in Christ. Well, let's stay in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, here it comes, encourage one another with these words. Are you looking forward to this future event like I am? Well, when is the last time you've encouraged someone with these words? It gives us the great courage to live the Christian life when our minds are set on the fact that Jesus is returning for his people one day. This life is so long and hard for most people. Are you noticing the people who are struggling and encouraging them with these words? It may seem dismissive to tell a person with a disease or a, a long-standing disability to cheer up. Jesus is coming back, and we'll meet him in the air one day. But it is exactly what will give them courage to live in the pain of this broken world. Evaluate yourself for how often you talk about Jesus' second coming to your Christian friends or family. One more passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14 to 15. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Now, Paul lists several types of people with problems here. The lazy person, the faint-hearted person, the weak person. Who is the one who most needs encouragement? The faint-hearted. We even need to help the weak. In our world, the faint-hearted tend to get picked on, rejected, ignored but they need to be encouraged by other believers. Again, encouraging words strengthen people. They aren't just hollow words or cliches. They are hope-filled, faith-filled words that build people up. Consider how you can grow into being a much better encourager of other people, especially the faint-hearted. Well, just a bit more encouragement from God's word today. Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 15. 
It reads, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The writer of Hebrews also shows us the essential nature of encouragement. Professing brothers and sisters can turn away from God, exposing an evil and unbelieving heart. Yes, true believers will never permanently leave the faith. But there are those who appear to be Christians who have worshipped with us in church, who may even have been in our own household, who end up falling away from God. So we must exhort or strongly encourage one another to keep people from falling away from God, to keep people soft towards God rather than hard. Notice that we need to exhort one another every day. We all need to have people in our lives who point us to Christ with their words. Well, here's another important passage, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Being in Christ is the greatest source of encouragement there ever is. We gain the courage to live in this world from the life of Christ in us. So you heard the Apostle Paul. If we are totally encouraged in Christ, then we can show love to others, serve others, be unified with other believers. Now, to put it in terms of this communication problem we're addressing today, we can become better encouragers when we remember the encouragement we have in Christ. Well, we'll end with one more passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but here it comes, encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. There you have it. We are to encourage one another all the more as we see the day of Jesus' return coming. But notice how Paul puts encouragement as an opposite to not meeting together as the people of God. How do you encourage another believer if you're not worshiping with him or her, going to church together, serving together? There is that community aspect of communication. 
We must grow in our use of encouraging words as we grow together as the body of Christ. So as we close today, what is keeping you from speaking words of encouragement to other people? Laziness, selfishness, your own discouragement, bad habits, a critical spirit, lack of love for others, not realizing how much people need your encouragement, and the list goes on. Well, I charge you to grow in a better encouraging word communication habit today. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.